For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my good friend, Jim Stam. He is pushed to the limit with all sorts of kid stuff. How you doing, brother? Dude, I'm, I'm doing good. I, you know, I just looked at the calendar, Gary, as we sit here and record today. 14 days away from opening day by the time people are hearing this we're what 10 11 days away we're getting close brother it's it's pretty cool dude i i I think i've i've enjoyed this spring somehow even while they've been losing you know it's like it hasn't bothered me at all and uh speaking of losing we're bringing on a new first-time guest who i feel bad for because we're gonna (laughs) abuse him the whole episode and take advantage of him and pick his brain and all that jazz put him on the spot (laughs) all that stuff and he's recently started uh writing on my website inside the book's basement um doing a great job over there too so check out his work he's got his own podcast the uh, 412 Double Play Podcast. You can hear that anywhere you find fine podcasts such as this one. Michael Castrigano. How you doing, brother? Um, I guess not as good as I was before that loser opening, but doing all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're, it's, we're just it's prepping fine. you. We're just preparing you. We like to abuse people a little bit when we have them on the first time. If they survive it, we have them back. James is a perfect example. Yep. So, <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about some, some stuff that we've been kind of pushing off for a while, Jim. Yeah. I want to talk pitch clock because I wanted to absorb it a little first, you know, rather than just let my gut reaction tell me that I hated it. I wanted to, I wanted to feel it for a few weeks first. So now I've, I've watched it play out a little bit. There's been some bugaboos here and there, but all in all, I think for the most part, I'm cool with it. I actually, I've actually kind of gotten to enjoy it as they've minimized shoving it in my face. You know, as they start to pan a little closer and not show the clocks constantly, it's not bugging me at all anymore. Even though I'm wasting a hell of a lot of time training myself to look at that little AT&T marker for where it's going to show up, because that ain't going to be there pretty soon. So, Jim, what do you think so far, brother? Well, you know, like, I, I try not to be old man yelling at clouds about all the new rule changes. Um, full disclosure... Baseball never bothered me when the games are long. I, I, I like to watch baseball. I like to go to games. I like to have time. The pace doesn't bother me. Um, in a bad game, can it bother you? Yeah. Other than that, so for me, it's not a big deal. So first of all, it's a harder sell for someone like me. And I feel like I'm definitely in the minority with it. Most people do want the game to be have a little better pace to it. Um, I'll admit 
that as time has gone on, and I hope this continues, that I won't notice it as much as I do right now. Sometimes it feels to me like the, the pace is rushed. Um, I would have probably preferred a little more time, maybe five seconds more, to just let it not be as noticeable to me. But I'm not going to make any grand declarations right now. I want to see how it plays out in the regular season. I really don't want it affecting games. I hope it doesn't. I hope nothing ridiculous happens late in the game where it, it, it does. But um, it's not for me, but I'm willing to give it a, a chance. I'm not going to make any statements right now that says, like, no, it's ridiculous and I can't stand it. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm well, at. Well, Michael, you're you're younger than us, I think, at least a little. A couple days. And <laughs> he has... He has no gray in his beard yet. Right, so, so I'm there's, figuring he's a little younger at least. There's sparse in there. All right. So we're splitting hairs, literally. Gray ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, the rule change happened, and it wasn't for me either. I'm not the target audience here. It, it didn't bother me that the games were a little longer. But, you know, there's something to be said for them being a little more punchy. I, I kind of like that Everybody seems to be paying attention more. There seems to be a little bit less uh, losing attention in the field even. You know, guys are ready to go pretty much constantly. I've liked what it's done to the game so far. I'll I'll give my final thoughts after you here, but what do you think? Uh, Well, I agree with Jim's point in that maybe an extra five seconds, if it was 20 seconds with no one on base, 25 with runners on i think maybe would have been a a little bit better there's been conversations about that eight second rule like player uh, batters have to be in the box and alert to the pitcher or else they get that automatic strike and that's been kind of a matter of conflict among a number of fans and broadcasters but overall like the pace of the game is just more enjoyable I mean, you'll see those videos floating around Twitter of people comparing an inning of baseball to one pitch from last year or uh, one at bat going, you know, 20 minutes because there's foul balls and then they got to adjust their batting gloves. The pitcher's got to go to the rosin bag. They throw over to first. That's all eliminated. We're not, they've basically taken all the fluff out. So you're just watching the product yeah it it almost it's almost like it it was done for it's almost like it was done for the mlb the show generation because that's a setting you know you can make all that go away and the game really does just move along a heck of a lot faster pitch pitch swing swing you know do what you're gonna do i guess i'm old school i don't think i'm gonna care until i get to a drama moment yeah, you know, that Gary, that was just where I was going to go. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like you, I think you get to playoff time, and you know, you're in, you're in the the bottom of the ninth, and there's two runners on, crucial moment in the game, it's tied, reliever and the catcher toying with that batter a little bit, the runners jiggling off second, trying to make something happen and distract things, and there's so many little things that can happen there, so many little room for error moments on both sides of the ball in that moment. And I think I'll miss that drama a little bit, 
But I also think that the umpires will learn how to do a little better with letting the game breathe here and there. Um, you know, it's not as yeah. though they can adjust the clock, but they do get to decide when it starts. And I think, you know, in, in certain situations, maybe they need to be a little more liberal about when it starts, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I think we'll see some of that happen. And I think, yeah, yeah. Like, that's my thing is, like, when, when the games get important and late, and we get late in the season or playoff games, you know, all those things, Gary, you're talking about, it, it, there's there's a million little things going on in a baseball game, and I like to like digest all of that. And yeah. there's like some drama and some suspense in all of that. And I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even, I would even say that like once the postseason started, after a full year of the pitch clock, I wouldn't even care if they took it away. I think a lot of it would still carry over anyway, because players would be used to it. It would just seem a little bit more second nature. And then I wouldn't worry about it. See, we got to go to a break, but I'm, I'm going to counterpoint that real quick. Cause like those world series games that don't start till like eight thirty nine o'clock on the East coast being over before midnight, potentially that's appealing. I think to a national audience that has not been staying awake through the end of these games. I'm sorry. Just have sure. that. Sure. So it's not it's not for it's not for some of like again super super hardcore. I don't care about it being late. I'll make it through tired the next day. But I get that point. Yeah. And it's valid. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk about some of the individual things that this has caused, along with the other rule changes. And we'll let Michael start because I, I drown him out in that first one, I think. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Gary, Jim, and Michael with you. And Michael, I'm going to go back to you first here, brother. Um, We're going to talk some individual stuff with the pitch clock now. You've seen pitchers trying already to do the quick pitch. You know, and and they're kind of getting called on it sometimes and kind of not. And I'm seeing... Looked like Rich Hill was set up the other day, and he got called for that. And yeah, I didn't that was understand be at all what was wrong there. What do you think of of some of these? I mean, is this going to come down to officials just needing to do better? And is MLB trying too hard to make sure the umpires still have a job for when they replace the strike zone? Yeah, I until they do replace the strike zone and, and give us robo umps across the board i think umps are going to have discretion against a lot of stuff and so with these pitch clock and bulk infractions those are all going to be umpire discretion essentially the same that you know balls and strikes are and that may differ from an umpiring group to another umpiring group and based on experience we had a lot of those veteran umpires retire last year and some of that was for the better but that's a lot of you know years of doing this stuff that they're losing that all these new guys coming up from double a AA and triple a having to learn these are probably with experience of these rules because they've been doing it in the minor leagues but having to do it on the national level 
Big that makes total there. sense. And and discretion discretion is great, I think, as long as everyone's kind of using the same discretion. Like it could really vary between crews, right? So um, that's another that's another aspect to that when you start to drill down on it. Um, it's like the NFL you- when you see those delay of game penalties, and and the umpires will will let the game breathe a little bit. By like, and what I mean by that is, come on, we've seen it hit zero before the snap gets off plenty, you know, and the spirit of the game, they're not going to call delay a game as long as it was reasonably close, right? Right. That's what I think they need to get to with this pitch clock. Like, come on, if Kutch just didn't turn his head at eight seconds, that ain't a strike. Yeah, (laughs) we we, we, we don't want to get... Because the NFL has been guilty of that, right? At like so many, so many instances where it's like it's almost too, it's almost too much, sure. and so they're going to have to find a balance. Let me ask you guys something that popped into my head. Do you think it? And either one of you go. Do you think the pace affects the pitchers or the hitters more when it comes to the clock? Do you think it goes one way or the other? Go ahead, Michael. This isn't fair. I just wrote about this yesterday. Yeah, you did. Um, I think that it's going to be a mixed bag because sometimes even veterans are going to get into a position. Uh, Max Scherzer's been guilty of like these ball calls. Hill having the balk the other day. Uh, Justin Turner getting hit by a pitch because he wasn't, you know, the the situation that happened with that. Um, It's the spring training is really going to be the adjustment period for the players, the batters, the pitchers, the umpires, and the broadcast team because they are really – you're seeing some growing pains with them. Uh, a lot of the broadcasters are used to being able to go off on these long rants about nothing. And uh, you know, as much as I've enjoyed that, it's, it's been nice to get a little bit more concise with regards to what's going on with the game. So Yeah, it's going to cause – a, a different kind of play-by-play guy to have to come along at some point. You know, if Major League Baseball is going to have to start adapting to somebody that can handle a little faster pace. I'm not saying you need like a Steve Mears to be like screaming out numbers and, and talking about fighting in the boards and stuff, but you might need somebody to be a little younger and more agile, if you know what I mean, over time. It's because you can't just get into those old stories. Oh, back in my day. Nobody, nobody has time for it, Bob. I'm sorry. Yeah, we we, we don't have time now for the uh, Greg Brown four minute focus on fireworks and coming out to the ballpark and having a good time. I hope not. So if it helps eliminate that, I will. I will definitely take that aspect of it. So all in all, sounds like Jim, you're going to be in compromisingly fair and just wait to to decide on this, but. Yeah, I it's don't. Not, I, you're not the target audience. I'm going to go head out and bad. say I like it. I think it's been good for the game. I think it's good for where the game needs to go. And I think uh, the TV issues that just came up, you know, with with the cable RSMs, it seems to me like making the presentation a little shorter and more concise and consistent for advertisers might help. It's not a bad idea to do things like that, especially when you're streaming. When you're streaming and it goes to a commercial, it's a weird period of time sometimes. 
you may see the same ad three or four times while you're streaming, like in between an inning and whatnot. You you need those to be short and punchy. So I like them kind of speeding the whole game up. I think it had to happen. I'm the old person in me may not like it right now, but I think I'll grow to like it quite a bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about who got sent down because I saw there was a lot of uproar about, you know, Andy Rodriguez going down and, and, and guys along those lines. I mean, the 15th is the date where everybody needed to be sent down in order. Well, the guys that have no service time whatsoever in order to prevent them getting injured and being stuck on this major league roster with the salary and accruing service time. So this is when you send those guys down. Nobody should have been surprised by this. Still, what do you guys think about Andy? And is it a big deal to you that he got sent down? Jim, I'll let you go first because I know you understand it, but Mm -hmm. I also know that you have, a little more fan in you than I do. I would say at times for things like this. So how do you feel? Well, I mean, perfect world. You'd be able to put them on the team, keep them up, but there are, there are other factors here, right? I mean, you've got service time, you've got money involved. You've got a labor agreement, by the way, that the players agreed to. Um, If that's something they want to revisit, they have that right when the time comes. They certainly didn't want to address it this time around. And um, so there's that aspect of it. Now, I will get to the baseball side of things on, on, on the field. And look, there's, there's not much doubt at this point. Any is ready to hit at the major league level. I, I, I don't think that's some like big breaking news here i can at least say i wouldn't be scared to let him try yeah right i mean like he he he's he's been hitting now ever since he he put his spikes on last year uh and before then um but if they are intent on keeping him at the catcher position or certainly want to seem like that that's where they want it to go first and foremost he, he's not ready to do that at the major league level every day. And he needs to work on that part of his craft. You're not going to be able to do that to him at the major league level. I do think in particular, and Michael, I know you've been looking at Andy a lot too, so we'll get to you in a moment. When I look at what he actually is doing behind the plate, I think a lot of people don't want to see what's really there. You know, like I saw him trying to block balls backhanded the other day. We got a ton of sinker ballers on this team. What a dangerous thing to have. Listen, Michael, what do you, what do you think here? It's defense, right? It's not offense. It's a hundred percent the defense. Uh, He's had a couple, at least one pass ball, a couple ones where he maybe mishandled them and he's looked a little bit blocky behind the plate. He's, he's not as comfortable and he's a life guy. He's not like big and, and bulky like Davis. Davis is kind of built like a tank. And Andy, you know, he's got the athletic build where he can play second. He can play left field uh, and has played those positions. But mostly he's got 1,360, almost 63 innings that he's played since he was signed. Professional ball between like winter league minors. That's a good amount. 
but he's probably not ready. Now, I've, I'm mixed because I feel like there would be a lot of benefit of him catching two to three games a week, maybe DHing two to three games a week and getting to work closely with Hedges, who defensively is one of the best options that he could be partnered with. And I think this spring has been a good experience of him getting to work with them from the video and pictures that I've seen. On the other hand, him going down to AAA, he's going to be working with pitchers who he might be catching for the next three, four, five years. Priester, Burroughs, Ortiz, those guys are all going to be down there, and he's going to be working with them day in and day out. So it's just no, weighing I, the benefits like, on that. I like exactly where you're going with it. And I, I was heading to the to Hedges as well. So, Jim, I'll throw it to you. Mm-hmm. I, that's my biggest point for why he could and potentially should have have stayed up because hedges is a rare type of catcher. He would be good to have working right there with Andy. That said, I can't get past this one thing. There's nothing that teaches you in baseball, like doing it repetition, repetition, and he repetition. needs to do this five times a week yes, in triple a. That that that's that's exactly where I was going to go with it, um, and, and Michael's right. I mean, like, there's there's no there's no better person for him to be learning from at the major league level. But we have to get to that point. He just needs as many reps as he can. It's catching is such a craft, right? I mean, it yeah. is like, um, I I I don't know if people understand like just how much goes into the, into the catching position. I you know first thing that comes to my mind, Gary, is like we had um, the fort on, and I I'd love to revisit this with him um, and just see what he has to say. But my my whole thing is is just don't don't differ if you don't differentiate offense and defense from the fact that it's all about reps. Yeah, that you just have to be able to get the reps in. And if he's not doing that and he's missing out, we already know he can swing the bat. If he's only catching two days a week, three days a week, I, I, that's a waste to me if they're going to keep him at that position. Well, then let me say this. I think, Michael, it's fair to say we all know that this is about manipulation more than anything. It really is. Let's just be honest. We, we all can acknowledge that he needs to catch, but – this this wouldn't this wouldn't be the same conversation if we didn't know in the background why he was going down right away, right? <laughs> we all know what's going on here. I, I the thing is, I don't. I'm think not it's saying there's dis- no merit to it. Yeah, I don't think it's the same discussion we were having last year with Cruz because Cruz was a hundred percent ready. You knew the defense was going to be bad and wasn't going to change and was going to just keep going up and smashing home runs and checking his wrists as he rounds second. And that's great. And he's still doing it. And the defense is still iffy. Andy has the ability to be good, at least league average defensively. And you need someone that's at least league average defensively behind the plate. Like Jim was saying, we've got so many sinker ballers. Uh, Keller's got six different pitches he's throwing now. Hill's got a big curve. A big reason why he was having trouble receiving those pitches is he doesn't have that reps. He's he's got to keep going in. I feel like they everybody's been saying, oh, Henry Davis is going to get fast-tracked and maybe have to change positions long-term. I don't know. I he He's looked very uncomfortable behind the plate, but he's had a lot more reps because of playing it in college. 
See, yeah, I don't think that whole Henry Davis ending conversation is really going to happen in earnest until middle middle of 2024. So I don't care. Yeah. You know, to me, this is Andy's year. Next year is Henry's year. I want Andy to be entrenched this year so that he can help Henry next year. <laughs> and I want those yeah. two to be pretty accomplished and entrenched by 2025. And I don't care yeah. which one becomes the starter at that point. It, it, and and Gary, you're right. I mean, we know that this comes down to what teams are allowed to do with guys with the with the manipulation manipulation of service time. Because truthfully, if Andy was looking a little bit better behind the plate, and 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 maybe ready, he's still going to get sent down. Yeah. So uh, you know, let's. I don't think that should need to be said, but I don't want to get attacked for saying, Oh, you're, you're, you're just going to totally ignore this, this big point about how they would do it. Now the reality is he'd still be going down. Yeah. Now, as far as him coming back up, I, I said something on Twitter that I didn't think was all that controversial, but apparently it caught a few people that I consider like really, really into the game of baseball off guard a little bit. There are two types of, of manipulation that could go on here. One is just to get extra time. And that's usually three weeks to a month into the baseball season where you can usually accrue an extra season of control of a player. And then you have Super 2, which is more end of June, beginning of July area. Super 2 is all about money. Yep. The control is knocked out long before that. Super 2 is a completely different animal. So when we sit here and we say, like, yeah, of course Andy was going to go down, we're talking about that first deadline where you get that extra year. Anything after that is nothing more than greed. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. So that's where I get a little irritated about the manipulation because I understand getting that extra year. I don't understand the greed because it's really not as much as you would hope. Anyway, you're talking about a million here, a million there. Well, it's kind of funny when we start looking at these things with like what you're talking about with saving the money and what they do with the arbitration cases is man, there's some penny pension going on and, and, it's not just the pirates that are doing that. No, no the pirates. There, there is sure is an amplitude and a hunger for reporting it here. Well, you hear, sure. it re- you hear it reported here a hell of a lot more than you hear it reported elsewhere. You know, but right, trust because me, O'Neill Cruz is not the only star young kid to get them the league minimum. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like teams, teams and pirates in general are just like, yeah, we know it's going to piss them off. And we really don't care. Right. Plus, if they were really like not worried about pissing him off. Do you think that he's playing shortstop right now when he clearly isn't isn't really working out? Seriously? Yeah. Right. They obviously care about not pissing him off. This was just transactional. It got reported. That's all. Um, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk a little bit about how the hell we judge defense in spring training with what we've seen going on at Bradenton.
right, and welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Michael, Gary, Jim, all with you. We have talked about some fun stuff, pitch clock, Andy going down, all sorts of rule changes and all the repercussions. It's time for something else fun. The circus, the daily Monty Python circus <laughs> that is the outfield situation in our beloved Bradenton. My goodness. How the hell are we supposed to tell who is a good outfielder and who isn't from watching these spring training games? Michael, have at it. I know you were down there. Was it as bad when you see it in person as it is on TV? The wind just changes in an instant. (laughs) So you could start and you've got like, you know, 1 p.m. game start time and the wind's blowing out hard to right. And then suddenly it's blowing in from left. And, and the sun's becomes, right over your head. Sun's yeah. right over your head. Everybody gets sunburned. Um, it, it's it's just nuts how the the wind works there. I don't know how the Marauders do it during the season. If it maybe is only a springtime thing, but it, it's a really difficult ballpark to navigate for the outfielders. I don't know how much we could really take away from that. Playing bounces, throws. Um, Hopefully, we're going to talk about in a little bit Swaggerty. He has had some misplays out in the outfield, but he's got a cannon for an arm, nailed the guy at home, I think, last week. So, grain of salt with any of the misplays for trying to catch fly balls. It happens to the Pirates. It happens to the opponents. It's not going to be indicative necessarily of what's going to happen during the season once they head north. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Um, Jim, unfortunately, we're stuck in a situation where we're trying to evaluate outfielders <laughs> right now. And how they play defense actually might play a role in who makes the trip north. How yeah. the hell do we evaluate it? I mean, like, as far as uh, what Michael said earlier, as I, as I understand it, it is not quite like this once you get into summer down there and when you're playing at night. So as far as I understand that it's a little bit more manageable during the season, but right now Jack Sawinski looks like he's never played out there before. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. Listen, I, I really don't pay attention to what outfielders do defensively down there. I just, I mean, and especially a guy like Sawinski who, who has really, taken a little bit of the brunt of it, I think, on social media in some of these games. Um, it hasn't been pretty, but we, 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 we got to see him all last year play the outfield. Multiple right, positions. Like, so you're basically like, saying we know he's a good fielder. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, the, the, that he's not in a slump defensively. Like, like I just want to see guys hit. And if they uh-huh. hit then now like a Cal Mitchell, well, you know, I mean, like he's already, you know, not, not awesome out there anyway. So, but I just, I, I'm not worried about defensively watching, watching guys have trouble in 15 to 25 mile per hour gusty winds with the sun blaring down you. It's just not something that I'm going to hammer someone over. I hear you there. And and Michael, maybe we wouldn't be making as big a deal about Jack Sawinski if he weren't playing center field. You know, you move him into center field. Well, that's someplace that we haven't seen a whole lot of him. Yeah, he played there a little last year, but 
we haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of him. And if if we if we're supposed to expect that he's good enough there to move our star to left field, no, well, I I want to see better than what I'm seeing, and the wind isn't helping me. Yeah, and Sawinski himself hasn't seen all that much time in center field. He came out and was excellent in right field. He's got a good arm, good, decent glove, but he had 94 games in center in the minor leagues. So came up, he had a handful of games, obviously, there last year, down the stretch, they started moving Reynolds over to left. Maybe he profiles better there. Left field and PNC is basically a second center, so who knows? But I, I think the overall... Outfield, the outfield's interesting right now because I think Travis Swaggerty's coming on. I think Cal Mitchell's hit. Kane Smith and Jigba's looked okay, actually, on both sides of the ball. Um, better in the outfield than I thought he would arm-wise. I actually feel like he's got a stronger arm than I thought he did. It's so at least I'm, a little I'm, bit above average. It's not yeah, going to so be, I've, you know, I've enjoyed panic, but. watching him, and he seems athletic enough. I was a little worried with how much bulk he has, too. But he, he seems to get around pretty well and get to the ball. He's surprisingly speedy. I think he had 10 or 15 stolen bases, not last year because he had the shortened season, but in 2021 – um, it's it's a good problem to have, but it's definitely a problem that they need to get figured out in the next couple weeks. Having some guys like Valade get sent down, kind of cutting the fat right now because there's no reason he should be on this on the 26 man roster. Yeah, I would um, say and Duhar the same thing, Jim. You got yeah. some, some ideas here as far as the outfield too, because we still don't know yet if they're going to try to make that some kind of a combination utility fifth outfielder. Or if they're going to try to just have a dedicated outfielder. So how can I say who's going to win that when I don't know even what's going to fill it? Yeah, yeah. They they could be looking at a situation where you're, you know, you're going maybe a little short on normal positions and asking guys to do a little bit of, you know, double duty when they need to or if they can. Um I think it's. I think these from now until how many games do they even have left now? But they're going to be super important to decide this. I think. I think it's thirteen. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, it's going to be interesting to watch this play out because I I still think that it's murky. I think it is. Like I think they that four of the outfielders are set. I really do. I think Connor Joe's made this team, and I think he's he's probably done enough with the bat and the glove and he's played first base pretty well a couple times too i i really think he's kind of shown enough to to prove his worth and and give him a shot he's got a decent track record in major leagues too which i don't think you can say for too many people on this team so i might take that when i have it and at least let him start up here and see what happens he has options you can send him down it's not forever i just don't know what they do with that fifth outfielder I don't know if that's Travis Swaggerty and you think you can get him enough at bats. I don't know if eventually you let him win that. I don't think Kutch is a starter. I don't think Connor Joe's a starter. Yeah. So do they end up having Matthias as as like a bench guy and have him in, in the corner outfields and, and second base? It's so hard to say what they're going to do. Bayer Marcano haven't really impressed me. I'd prefer one of them because you want a lefty. I would have loved. Would have loved Bay this spring just to, just to, just to say, 
you're going to have a hard time keeping me off this opening day roster. And Classic he, and it, case of pressing it. Yeah, and he hasn't done it. And that's a shame because I think everybody wanted to see that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it solves maybe a couple problems offensively and defensively. It just hasn't been there. Yeah, Michael, I think you were actually down there for that one meltdown game he had at shortstop where he just – for some reason was getting to these balls and he threw one like so wildly over the first baseman's head. I don't even know that I've ever seen Chris do it. Yeah. It was the wind. It was the wind guys. The wind wind wind. got low enough. It got it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Bay, he's quick enough to the ball, but then he just gets into a panic mode. And then in the batter's box, he gets down one strike and it's once again, he just kind of self-destructs. And it's one of those things, I don't want to say it's the yips, but you get into a situation where things aren't going right and it starts snowballing. Yeah, it and feels I like pressing to me. feels like well, pressing and trying to, look, to trying to look spectacular. Yep. If you know yeah, what I mean. Trying to do a little too much. And, and uh, to your point, Gary, is like, if you don't think a younger guy has shown enough and you've got a Connor Joe and you've got guys that maybe you at least know what they are, yeah, maybe you go that route and let them go down and get back on track, or 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 seeing what's going on, and then you can revisit it. But there's always that option. Yeah, I think I think that guys like Bay, though, I think he had every every ability to actually win a job out of camp. I think he was one of the few that could have. I don't think he's a guy that you're necessarily worry about manipulating. I don't, you know, right. I think he, he's a guy that really could have legitimately made it out of camp, but I just don't feel like he's done enough to, well, to especially really with Castro struggling. Yeah. Castro is, he's an odd case because I've, I felt like he's been a lock. Maybe that's, um, that's just me. But I, f- I feel like he's a guy that had second base, and we've been auditioning backups the whole time, at least to start the season. And I expect him to get four to 500 at-bats this year because I want to know what he is. And I, I just think that needs to happen, and he's your only backup third baseman right now, too. So he's making this team. Unless you yeah, want to count I, Matthias, I don't. No, I don't, I don't know. Like... It's tough. You don't want to read too much in the spring, but you—it'd be really interesting to see how they how they do make those decisions because we all sit here and go, "It's only spring training. Let's not get carried away." But I mean, you're playing these games for a reason. You are taking something out of them. You do have to make decisions, and um, there have just been there. There have been some guys this spring that you know we mentioned Bay, we mentioned Castro, guys that you would have just liked to have seen take more control of the situation and show that now this is an easy decision. Rapid fire question time, Michael, which prospect has um, most caught you off guard this spring in a good way or a bad way? Either. Either. Uh, Swaggerty, I'd say. I feel like the organization had pretty much written him off. I, I think I tweeted out like two months ago how he's probably fringe DFA once they start having to add NRI guys pending injuries. And uh, he's come out and he's got like a over 1,000 OPS. He's hit two homers and the glove is going to play. He's our best defensive outfielder yeah. pretty much in the system. 
the exit velocities impressed me too. I, that that's something that he has not put on display in the past. So good to the see big that. issue was that he wasn't showing power in the minor leagues. He was doing okay with average and getting on base, and you know, but you wanted to see a little bit of power, a little bit of pop to show that he'd be successful in the bigs. And he's showing it now. And you know, maybe he's not facing the best pitchers. Everybody's working on stuff in spring training, but you can only swing at the pitches they throw you you can only hit the pitchers at on the mound yeah and he's going and doing it so he's been crazy impressive for me no i agree with you he's done everything that you could ask of a prospect and i don't think it means instant success or he makes a team automatically but i can honestly say um for a guy that i felt was pressing last year before he got injured i i feel like this year he's uh he's come ready to go his head's in the right place, and it's good to see. I think he's he's definitely going to make it this year at some point, at least to get a little bit of a shot. So, Jim, how about you? Who has really caught you off guard, good or bad? Um, well, just a real quick piggyback off that. I I do wonder if the you know, the power stuff with Swaggerty is is transferable. Uh, you know, as we get into if he gets any time to play, I think you know, like that will probably regress. Um, I just don't know that you're going to see that just magically start to happen at the major league level. So that'd be my concern. The guy that, the guy that I like, the more I see of him is CSN. Um, I I gave, I, I, I might've sold him a little short, on being a little bit better. I, I, it's just funny to say, cause he comes from an athletic family. I think he's a better athlete than I thought he was. Um, and he's hit. And I do think that there's more relatable, uh, tools for power to the major league game that he could, he could, uh, transition into. So like, that's who I liked. I think he's looked good in the field. I think he's hit. So that's that's my guy with more upside at this point. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nick Gonzalez. I think Nick Gonzalez has made better contact than as advertised before he came in this year. Um, he, he seems to be taking a better approach at the plate. I, I like the approach right now. He, it's very center and slightly away with his power. He, he seems to be swinging through the ball a lot better this year. Finishing a little better, making better decisions at the plate, taking more selective approach and taking his walks. I like what I'm seeing from him, and that's great to see because Nick Gonzalez is a guy that, well, you understand you're not going to hit on every pick. You don't want to miss on your first number one pick. You know, right. that was the first one he made, and you you want him to actually connect and, and at least come up here and be a major leaguer. So, and the power. The power is real. I mean, he's not hitting Bradenton home runs when he's getting into one. It's going. <laughs> I mean, it's it's solid contact when he hits it. That bat speed is for real and for yeah, and, yeah. He he's got so many good attributes. It's almost funny that he is he does swing and miss as much as he does at times. So, um, but you know, when he's hitting well, boy, does he look good. Uh, you yeah. know, um, so. You just hope that that carries over a little bit more. So, um, but he's had, he he's looked really good, Gary. He has yeah, great stuff, man. I I love talking about this stuff, man. Another couple weeks of spring training, and I think 
we'll be ready for the season. I mean, I think we're finally getting into game form too, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have to adjust with all this new rule stuff too, man. Like once <laughs> the, once the bullets start flying for real. So we don't do as good with the clock, but, <laughs> <laughs> right. but Michael, um, how do people get a hold of you and how can they find your fine podcast? Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? All right. Well, I am on Twitter at 412 Double Play. Podcast drops Monday mornings, 8 a.m. We're uh, weekly currently doing the Farm System series. Uh, this upcoming Sunday, we're going to be talking to Corey Geiger of the Altoona Mirror. He's the longest continuously uh, uh, beat writer who's the longest continuously covering one team. He's been covering the curve since 99, hoping to get a lot of insight on some players with him. Uh, also working, obviously writing for Inside the Bucks Basement. I've got a new article that I'll hopefully be able to drop tomorrow afternoon on the outfield situation, ironically, and kind of doing a deep dive in all of those players and the different options and depth that we have in the upper levels. I may or may not have cheated off your paper for this podcast a little bit, so <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, thanks, Michael. This was really cool. Jim, yeah, appreciate it. Any parting shots today, brother? No, dude. I'm just looking forward to the season. We're almost there. Looking forward to getting to the home opener. Hopefully the weather's decent, man. That's all I That's all I want. Yeah. And hey, full disclosure, we record on Thursdays, so I don't know the fate of my dear Pitt Panthers yet. But congratulations on getting your first tournament win in quite some time. And uh, hard fought. Hopefully, when this airs, we will be uh, asking in the glow of another one. Yes. Fingers crossed. Right. So, hey, without further ado, Ben, take it away, brother. Yes, you bet! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.